have your Bibles tonight, turn to Job chapter 23 and 42. Job 23 and 42. It's a double barrel text. If one doesn't get you, the other one will. Amen? It's a double barrel text. Job 23, and then i got to read Job chapter 42, just a few verses. Why bad things happen to good people? Why bad things happen to good people? You know, it dawned on me in the prayer meeting, because we emphasized missionaries in our prayer meeting um, this, this week, because Brother Darrell was sick uh, the first week, and then we had uh, no Sunday night service last night, or last Sunday, because of anniversary Sunday, and so we had missions emphasis. I thought about this on trouble. Some people just walk into it on purpose. You think about it. I mean, there's missionaries that walk in to demon-possessed countries that have no knowledge of God. That's trouble. They walk into uh, AIDS-infested countries like Chad, Africa, and other places that per capita have more. Uh, and then Muslim countries. Can't even, you can't even pray for them by name because they might be revealed and, of course, killed by the Muslims, the terrorists in northern Africa. Folks, they walk into trouble. So you say, why does good people have trouble? I'll tell you why. Because they become missionaries and they jeopardize and risk their lives for the furtherance of the gospel. That answers one question, amen? And I preached a little about this week before last and just didn't scratch the surface on why bad things happen to good people. And one reason is, is for the furtherance of the gospel and for people to hear the gospel. People have given their lives for the furtherance of the gospel. Why does good people go to the, that extreme? Because, folks, the worth of a soul is more important than your comfort. Amen. Say amen right there. Uh, I heard a message Thursday night changed my prayer life, and I hope, I, I hope it has, by Brother Dean Hamby on preaching against casual praying. Casual praying. Use Esther. Example, stirring. And I'll tell you something, he didn't preach it casually either. He preached it with tears. Tears. Brokenness. Sometimes I think we worship casual. People pick their church by what kind of music they can have an entertainment hour. God help us. We ought to pick a church by what, it, what, what they stand for and how they preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. If they preach the gospel right, the music will take care of itself because the preacher have enough sense to direct it uh, to real worship. Amen. Amen. Don't get me started on that. We'll get off the track. Let's stand on the Word of God. Proverbs, I mean, Job 23, verse 10. And I love this verse, and this ought to give you some hope if you're going through the valley. It says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as go. Pro, uh, Job 23, verse 10. But look on, it says, My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept, and not declined. Now that's a rebuke to all the TV evangelists. It says the only time you have trouble is because of sin in your life. I think Job was in the perfect will of God. Job 23, verse 12. If you hadn't found Job by now, it's near um, Psalms, all I can tell you. My foot hath he held his steps, his way have I kept, and not declined. Neither have I gone back Listen to this. From the commandments of his lips, 
I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food, right in the middle of God's perfect will and having all kinds of trouble. Look at this. But he is, he, he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore am I troubled at his presence, when I consider I am afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Because I was not cut off before the darkness, <clears throat> neither has he covered the darkness from my face. And I want you to notice verse 1 of the next chapter. Why, why, seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know him not see his days? <clears throat> why, seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know him not see his days? In other words, we don't have the answer to all the problems. I turn to Job chapter 42, the end of the story. Job chapter 42. That's a beautiful song. goes right along with this message. <clears throat> I appreciate people singing when they don't feel like it. And people and preachers preaching and people listening when they don't feel like it. Look at verse 42, chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, here's the conclusion of the whole matter, I know that thou can do everything, that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel from without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understand not, I understood not, neither too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now, but now, mine eye seeth thee. Amen. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent, in dust and ashes. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the book of Job and thank you for the whole word of God that teaches us that we're not here to have fun. We're here to be holy, not happy. And God, sometimes to be holy, you have to break us and you have to send us through the valleys. And God, I pray that we would respond as Job responded and say, I ain't got all this figured out, but I see you. And I know that you're still God, that you still make no mistake, and that you're an almighty God that knows best and what's best for us. And so, Lord, help us to realize that all trouble <clears throat> is to help us to see you, and that all trouble has helped us to be like you. And I believe that's the chief end of all men. So, Lord, bless this message and use it. For your glory in Jesus' name, amen. You know, Jesus Christ is the answer of every need that you have, Philippians 4.19. It includes the need in your spirit for encouragement, the need in your soul, the need in your body. I still believe Jesus heals, but not through healers on TV making a million. I believe he heals through prayer, say amen. But sometimes he chooses not to heal you. And it allows you to go through trouble and trials. And sometimes we wonder, why is this going on? And in Jesus' name, would you give me an answer? And folks, I believe there's no reason why a Christian should be born crying, live complaining, and die disappointed. I believe in spite of the <clears throat> victory that was won at Calvary, the Lord allows us to suffer many reasons. 
Number one, I believe, <clears throat> as I preached on week before last, but I don't think y'all remember it so much, so I want to review it, amen? Because I didn't remember what I preached week before last. That's bad, amen? First thing goes is your mind, amen, and your will to get up when you get old. Amen, come on. You'll be there one day. But I want you to know that sometimes, sometimes, not always, sometimes, trouble in your life as a Christian is because good people are not always good. Godly people are not always godly. Sometimes we sin, say amen right there, and sometimes we sin again and again and again, and God says, hey, you can't, get, you can't do that because I believe, <clears throat> therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, all things pass away, behold, all things become new. I believe, number one, you, won't, you don't want to sin, but if you do sin, uh, God gives you a conviction and a lack of peace, and, it can, and, and uh, um, he comes after you by making you miserable so you'll be receptive to his hand of correction. But I believe God the Father is a good father. Say amen. Matter of fact, he's not, he's not just a good father. He's a perfect father. And whom the Lord loveth, he scourges and chasteneth every son whom receiveth. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8, that was 12, 6, that you're illegitimate if you don't receive chastening. I knew, I, I knew many times I was the son of Lily B. Cofield because she would wear my rear end out. The time I shot the BB... I shot the window out with 153 babies. I don't know why I counted, but it was my devilish friend that put me up to it. He counted. One, two, had to reload. Then the window fell out. And then my mother, my mother caught both of us. And we ran around the table. I'll never forget. She had asthma. She was huffing and puffing. But when she caught me, she not only caught me, she caught my best friend. And she blistered our rear ends. Woo, it was a terrible whipping. I don't even hunt today. I don't even pick up a gun. I'm not against, you know, I think it's heart control, not gun control that America needs. Say amen. But I want to tell you something. I still get a warm feeling every time I pick up a gun. I don't even go hunting. I don't even know if I could go hunting. Because I remember the day I got wore out using a gun the wrong way, blowing my bedroom window out because of a dare at night. Y'all wonder, I graduated from college, I know. But anyway, listen, sometimes... Sometimes there's a prodigal pig pen for a prodigal son. I want to tell you this, friend. If he made sin is fun for a season. Can somebody say amen and not feel bad about saying that? It is fun for a season. But then it gets out of season and it's payday someday. Go ahead and sow those oats, those wild oats. But you better pray for crop failure, say amen. Because I'm telling you something, you can reap the wind, but you can reap the whirlwind when you reap the wind, when you sow to the wind, excuse me. And so, folks, there is a sin that is unto death, 1 John 5, 16. The passage is not referring to spiritual death, but physical death. Actually, you can go home early. I don't think you'll lose your salvation, but you'll go home early, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty, 30. He turned uh, a man over to the destruction of the flesh because... He was mistreating the Lord's Supper, getting drunk around the Lord's Supper. Because of sin, people were sick and some died. So why does good people, why does uh, bad things happen to good people? Because sometimes good people can backslide. We have a father. Aren't you glad you got a father that keeps you out of the road of sin and comes and wears your rear end out, spiritually speaking? 
and says, hey, listen, I want to teach you a real big lesson. I won't tell you why you ought to spank your children when they're young. The big lesson is this. There is a consequence to sin. Amen. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. Some people never get saved and go to hell, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 15, because they don't fear God and they don't fear the consequences of sin because mom and daddy never corrected them. Best thing you can do is correct your children. And start early because when they get older, they're, they're uncorrectable. I mean, you know, it's hard to whip a 240-pound, 6-foot-5 boy. Amen? I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, you, first of all, you've got to catch them. Number two, you've got to whoop them. You've got to, catch, you've, got to, you've got to hold them down, say amen. You say, I don't like this. I know you young people don't because some of you are spoiled rotten. But I'm going to tell you this, friend. The best thing you ever have is a, a mom and daddy that will discipline you. Amen. You need it. Say amen right there. Uh, sometimes not only does God whip us, but sometimes uh, when good people become not so good, he leaves us alone and sin takes its course. One of the worst judgments that you can have, sinner, is when the Lord says, okay, just go ahead. I.e. alcoholism, drinking. We're told that alcoholism is a disease only. No, it's not a disease. Or you can take a pill and be cured of it. It's sin. It's sin. I lived in it. I know. I was hungry many Friday nights because Daddy would lose the whole paycheck before he'd get home. We had our house uh, burned up because of liquor. Don't you tell me that it's easy. And Sometimes we have trouble because we live with trouble before it gets saved. Say amen. Thank God my Daddy got saved. I rejoice in that every day. When I get down, I automatically think about the time Daddy walked the aisle, preacher tapped me on the shoulder while I was praying for him, and I got to go down to the altar and leave my daddy Lord. I just cheer myself up thinking about it. Y'all get tired of hearing it. One family left our church because I used that illustration too much. Bye, because I'm telling you, I, 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 need, it. I need to remind myself. And I'm not saying, I went after them, begged them, cried with them, tried to get them to come back. They said, no, you use your family too much as illustration. Well, it's the only family I got. But I want to tell you this, friend. I'm glad my daddy's saved and in heaven and waiting on me. But before he got to heaven, before he got saved, that liquor just about ruined my life, my wife's, my, my mother's life. I'm telling you, my sister's life. We were nervous wrecks. Nervous wrecks. I stuttered till I was seven years old. It's a miracle I can preach any, any, anything. And so, folks, when alcoholism is, you know, what's the word intoxicated mean? The root word for intoxicated is toxic, poison. It will pickle your brain. I hadn't preached against liquor in a while. I might as well just do it right now. It will pickle your brain. And some of you, your brain's already pickled. You can't stand no more. Say amen. It's half pickled. You was born that way. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. It will destroy your life. Not only will you go down the road and kill somebody that's innocently jogging down Dugout Road, but I'm going to tell you something. It'll kill, it's suicide on the installment plan. I didn't mean to get on that, but I'm glad I did. Toxic, intoxicated. Some of you, after your little 
fun time in Chattanooga and you don't even know what you, where you was and how much money you spent or who you was with, the next morning you regurgitated a lot. That means you got sick and started hugging the commode. Now, isn't that great? Hey, listen, you little, you little nippers, you little old social drinkers, I'm going to tell you something, that's real dignified, isn't it? You have to hug a commode the next morning. You know why? The body's rejecting the toxics. The body's rejecting the poison. And so you know why people have trouble? Because the Lord lets the sin take its course. Smoking. I might as well make everybody mad, praise God. Smoking. I'm, I'm going to hit one in a minute that every one of you is guilty of. Smoking. You know, if God intended you to smoke, you'd have a chimney on the top of your head. Say amen. He'd vent you a little bit. Say amen. I didn't know that. I thought this was going to be a sweet little message. Some people are sick because of unhealthy habits. I hate to mention this, but unhealthy dieting. Four-letter dirty word to most people is D-I-E-T, diet. I've lost thousands of pounds over my life <laughs> and gained them back, praise God. Had fun doing it, but I sure hate those scales, don't you? I'm telling you, overweight will give you a heart attack. Oh, me. Come on, I'm preaching now. If you only saw how many chips I ate for lunch, you would be saying you hypocrite they wouldn't bring the food all I had to do is keep on eating chips amen I ain't going to tell you how many glasses of sweet tea I had but they put a picture in front of me God help us and I drank the whole picture because I planned it the only, place, the only person that had sweet tea at that table was me that's, that's, that's not good Let's pause right now and all of us go to the altar. <laughs> or take care of ourselves. Somebody told me you ought to fuel yourself instead of fill yourself when you eat. Well, there's one skinny person that said amen. That's good, amen. <laughs> Let me give you another one. Worry. Worry. can to do harm physically to your life. Sickness can be caused of Satan. Look at Job chapter 2. As we study the book of Job tonight, Job chapter 2 and verse 7, I believe it is. Hope I got the right reference. Job chapter 2, and I got to hurry. It says, So when Satan so went forth, so went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to his crown. God allowed him to make him sick. Boy, was he sick. Luke chapter 13, verse 16, the woman had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over, and Jesus said, Satan has bound her. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says Jesus healed those that were oppressed of the devil because the Lord allowed Satan to make them sick. Think about it, the many of the choicest servants of God suffered. And so let's get out of this. Um, by the way, when you're under the divine authority, there's a hedge of protection. You get out of the will of God, Satan has a direct attack on your life. The safest place you'll ever be is in the will of God under authority. 
Children, you rebel against God, and I'm going to tell you something, you're open target for Satan. You rebel against your parents, you're open target for Satan. But in the will of God, you're immortal until God's finished with you. It's dangerous to be out of the will of God. If you don't believe it, ask the prodigal son. Here's a Jewish boy fellowshipping with pigs. That's pretty bad. And he had slop all over him. And he was hungry and he was in want. He said, even my daddy's servants have more than I have. And he came to himself and he ran and thanked God the light was still on the porch. And daddy met him halfway. Carol McNeese. One of the most beautiful ladies spiritually that this church ever had sing songs, solos, beautiful. Very shy lady. She used to see me coming down the hall and she'd jump into a Sunday school room so she wouldn't have to speak to me. Or I had real bad breath one. She was very shy. In 15 years she laid up in that hospital and laid up in the nurse home and laid at home wilted away with that MS. And she looked like a corpse before she died. But she still had a beautiful glow about her life. And anytime you visit her, you're left inspired and touched by the life of Carol McNeese. Why did she have to suffer that many years? I believe she was in the perfect will of God when it struck her down. Gary Ledford, great pastor, compassionate. Loving, loved to preach more than he loved to eat. Sometimes he preached when he shouldn't have preached. That's why I was burdened and shared what I shared about University Baptist Church in the prayer room. Because I'm real concerned about the direction they might go. Because when the spiritual leader goes off the scene, you better pray. Why? From day one, he had Crohn's. They just discovered it when he was 18. And he suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered. The helicopter had the liver in a little ice box that would have, would have given him life. And it was foggy on a January day. Why did not God allow that helicopter to land? Why didn't they land in Dalton and I would have done 100 miles an hour to get down to Atlanta? Or Brother Al would have done 120 to get that to Brother Gary family rejoiced at the funeral and said I know why because he had a heart condition nobody knew about and he never made it through the funeral and his son with a great eulogy said God gave my daddy three years to be with us. Isn't that a great way of looking at it? Say amen all things work together even the fog you know the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 there was a great man of God that prayed to be healed the Lord said, you read it with me, 2 Corinthians 12, come on, real quick, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I can tell this is a series in the making, Sunday night series, I don't know why people don't come back on Sunday night, I love it, don't you, I love it, if I can get woke up, I love it, praise God, if I can get over those big meals, I love it, look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. But look at verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You with me? Say amen. amen. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. That means three times he prayed that it might depart from me. He said, Lord, heal me. 
Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. I, I, I believe he prayed fervently because Paul was a man that prayed with tears. Some of y'all lost your tears. You need to pray for them to come back. But look at this, verse 8, 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness, trouble, sickness. Most gladly, therefore, he changed his prayer, for I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. My, what a spiritual man this was. How many ever thanked God for sickness? No, most of the time we're pouting and pitiful, especially you men. God help you, your wives. Oh, I'm going to die. You only got a toothache. Good night. Get over it, Sam. But look at this. It says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches. Now listen, in necessities, in persecutions. We don't have persecution like they did in the Bible days. In distresses, listen to this, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, when I am weak, then I am strong. I am become a fool in glory, and you have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the chiefest, very chiefest apostle, though I be nothing. And truly the signs of apostles were wrought among you in all patience and sight, Signs and wonders and mighty deeds. It was apostolic signs like healing, knowledge, prophecy. Now we have the word of God. We don't have private prophecy. Folks, I want to tell you something. Many believers, they're right in the middle of the will of God, like Paul. God allowed a thorn in the flesh. Some people say because it was his eye problem. We don't know what his problem. But I'll tell you one thing, it's a problem we can identify with because God allows every problem in your life providentially. There's nothing that Satan can do to you without God's permission. Can somebody say amen with encouragement? He knows where you're at, and I'll show you that verse in a minute. But God had a higher plan for Paul. The higher plan was not pleasure. The higher plan was not an easy road. If you read 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, you'll see that he was beat more times than our Lord. He was scourged. He was stoned more than Stephen was stoned. Five times. Shipwrecked, naked, in peril. And the perils of his own church turning on him and against him and turning to be a carnal church, 1 Corinthians. And all that happened to Paul right in the middle of the will of God for him to do this for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. So sometimes the reason bad things happen to good people is because of chastening and because of sin taking its course. But number three, always, always for God's glory. Mark it down. Here's the end of the message. It's always for God's glory. The Apostle Paul had the power to perform miracles. He could heal. But the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 something very, very unique. He left a guy sick. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 20. The Bible says, Erastus abode in Corinth 
but Trophimus have I left at Melentum sick. So I left him sick. You know why he left him sick? Because it's God's will for him to be sick. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, that uh, t- uh, he said, um, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, drink no longer water, because water had a lot of acidic and had a lot of problems in that day, like in Somerville. And it said, drink no longer water, but a little wine for the stomach's sake, and thine often, and thine often infirmities. He had a bad stomach, and he told him to take a little wine. He says, lay off the water and start drinking grape juice. And all you little sippers, you're out there saying, yeah. Paul said you can take a little liquor. No, he didn't say fermented wine. He said wine, say amen. He said, grape juice, stop drinking the bad water. Just make sense, amen. And he says, here's a prescription. I'm not going to heal you. I'm going to give you a little prescription. And I believe, perhaps, it's all right to take medicine. Amen. It's called over here, said you can't take medicine. They called half the leaders down in Atlanta going to doctors taking medicine. That's a bunch of hypocrisy, say amen. You're going to let your congregation die and you're going to the doctor while you tell them not to go to the doctor. Sounds like a cult to me. I care what kind of gospel music they play. Oh, friend, I know this, this ain't going to go good on the internet. I'll get a letter on this, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. Paul said it's all right to take a prescription. As long as you don't overdo it. Opioids. Amen. Elijah was taken to heaven in a chariot. Elisha, the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14, became sick and died. That's what it says. 2 Kings 13, 14, and Elijah got sick and died. The Bible tells Elijah was in communion with God, he even had a great prophecy right before on his sick bed, and he died. Folks, don't ever judge people when they're sick. Saying, oh, they must have sin in their life. You sound like Job's friend. And there's no inference in the scripture that Elijah was sick because of sin. Sometimes God takes our life. I want to give you, in closing, five purposes for sickness, five purposes for trouble in the will of God. Number one, power comes through suffering. Folks, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that I just read that the power of God rested on him. That means tabernacle. I mean, it was the power of God that rested on, on Paul's life. Paul learned to depend upon the Lord and, the, and he, he learned to magnify the Lord whether by life or by death. Say amen. And I want to tell you something. He was a powerful testimony. One of the greatest things you can do is when things are going terrible is to be faithful to church faithful to read your Bible and faithful to praise God and faithful to be a servant of God and not quit and get bitter and shake your fist at God and say, I'm not going to church anymore. Pout like some baby. Folks, I want to tell you something, friend. God has a plan in your life that supersedes your plan. His ways is far above our ways. And a lot of people are home tonight bitter because their life's not better. A lot of people are home bitter because they're sick. They're bitter because daddy died. They're bitter because the baby died. Folks, God has a plan 
If you don't believe it, next time you sing Blessed Assurance, think about the author. Fanny Crosby was blinded at the age of six months old, maybe six weeks old. Six weeks old, Brother Randy. Because of mustard polis. A doctor put mustard on her eyes. That, that'd blind anybody. What kind of quack was he? But she looked him up about 17 years later and thanked him for putting her eyes out because she said, I might have got distracted and not seen him who is invisible. And we got 7,000 poems and 5,000 hymns by Fanny J. Crosby because the Lord allowed her to be blind so she could see him instead of them. And what songs we have. And so if you want to go to your little contemporary church that never sings hymns, you go ahead. But I want to tell you something. I love those old hymns where there's a message like blessed assurance, perfect submission, all is at rest. And you think about that. Horatio Spafford, it is well with my soul. And he wrote that the very spot that his four little girls drowned in the ocean, Atlantic Ocean. And he was, he was going back over to be with his wife when she wrote a telegraph or sent a telegraph that says, saved alone, all had perished. And all four of his children drowned. He didn't get better, bitter. He got better. And he wrote that great song. And we ought to get that song out and sing it. It is well with my soul. Amen. It was birthed out of pain. And so, folks, not only is there power, the power of God upon your life, but there's productivity. I just said that productivity and make that all peas in this alliterated sermon. Folks, there's fruit. There's fruit. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, please. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. We'll try to wrap this up. Don't pack up yet, though. I'm just getting warmed up. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, please. You with me? 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Let's read that first. It says this, Who comforted us in all our tribulation. In what? In all our trouble. That we may be able to what? Comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherein we ourselves are comforted of God. Amen. A lot of people have come in my office and said, You don't know what it's like to live with an alcoholic. I said, Wait a minute. Wait a minute, 20 years I lived with one. God taught me God's able. God's sufficient. And folks, God breaks. And I want to tell you something, friend. We receive the comfort for one reason. That we can dig some wells in the valley of Baca. And when other people come through that same valley, they have something to drink because of your testimony. Powerful. Powerful. God allows you to go through junk so because a lot of other people behind you are going through junk and worse junk. And folks, look at what we're going through today politically, nationally. It's a dark hour. I want to tell you something. You ain't right with God if you vote for someone that, that uh, believes in abortion. You're not right with God. You might as well just get right with God. Democratic, Republic, whatever. You need to get right with God. You don't vote for somebody to kill a baby. Come on. You say, oh, you shouldn't be political. I'm not political, I'm biblical. Life begins in conception. You're with child when you're pregnant. You're not with protoplasm. that can be altered on the altar of career because you don't want to have a baby. That choice was made when you decided to not be pure. 
have that baby. We need to adopt that baby out. Two wrongs never made a right. Come on, say amen. You say, oh, you shouldn't preach on that. There's a lot of young girls in here who's listening to this message. And then I want you to look at verse 6. I never saw it like this. And Whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation. And, say the word with me, salvation. Which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. For whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. You know what that's saying? God's good. God's good all the time. But I've been through it. I've been through it. He was beat more times. He was scourged more times. He was lonely. He was, he was naked. He was hungry. He was destitute. And then his own people turned on him. And folks, Paul was saying, hey, listen, all these things I suffered, for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. Turn to John 15, too. How many's ever uh, grown some roses in your flower bed? Raise your hand. All you green thumb. I don't grow roses. I can't grow hair. I know I can't grow roses. But uh, I want you to look at this. John 15, 2. Why does good people have some terrible times? Why does God allow you to go through suffering, sickness? Well, that's a good question. But it's not always because of sin, my friend. Because God's got a bigger plan. And God is the husbandry of your life. You're the branch, he's the vine. In John 15, 2, everybody's there except me. But I'll be there in a minute. It says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit in God's will, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth what? More fruit. Hey, friend, let me tell you something. You can be right in the will of God. And God can allow some purging. And I imagine if you was a rose bush and all of a sudden somebody came at you with some clippers or snips. Amen. I got some. I love to purge those crummy old rose bushes that won't prune. And I look at it and see the dead limbs. I go, whop. I, I can hear that rose bush saying, Oh! I don't like that. You ever talk to a rose bush? You ought to. It'll help them. Breathe on it. That, they say that helps. I ain't going to go around breathing on no rose bush. But I'm going to clip some dead limbs off. Because when you clip that dead limb off in the right season, I don't, I don't know what season it is, Brother Dwayne will tell you, but there's a time where you start trimming back some stuff. It's so those other branches will bring forth more fruit. Purging. Let me just say this. Brokenness leads to usability. Some of us wouldn't be worth anything for God if we hadn't went through some trouble, some trials, some sickness. What you're saying to God is, that, hey, Lord, I think it's enough. Praise God, we're sick all the time. God knows exactly. He's got his hand on the thermostat. He knows exactly what you need. And he won't bake you. He'll make you. The potter knows when to crush the clay and remold it. Jeremiah 16. I'm going to tell you one of the results of brokenness and purging and sickness and sorrow and heartaches and pain, not just because of sin, 
and for the comfort of those that follow you because you've learned that God is good no matter what. But I want to tell you what trouble and trials will definitely do in your life. It will give you more compassion. I think one of the most compassionate people that I ever had the privilege to be around was Brother Gary Lincoln. He'd come up and see Pappy because he, he only pastored him a couple of months, maybe three or four, before we moved him up here, before Pappy moved himself up here. But he'd always ask about Pappy. He'd take him to get a haircut. He'd just be a friend to him. Pappy was always worrying about Gary being so sick. He'd always asked about him. They were just friends. But the reason was he had a pastor that knew what it felt like to hurt most of his life. He knew what it felt like to go to the hospital and the doctors just shake their head. He knew what it was like to get another needle stuck in his hand and have an IV over and over again. He knew what suffering was all about and it gave him compassion and you didn't have to beg him to go to the hospital. You didn't have to beg him to go to the funeral home. He'd get out of the sick bed and go to that hospital and go to that funeral home because he knew how they felt. I don't believe that you ought to pray for more trouble so you'd be more compassionate. But I want to tell you something. In your trouble, don't get pitiful. Get benevolent. Realize they need help. They need encouragement. They just need a friendly face to show up and pray with them. You don't have to say a word. You might not know what to say at the funeral home, but you can be there. And you can sit there and watch everybody change the conversation about the Braves and everything. The wildest stuff get, get talked about in funeral homes. It's amazing. They just forget the guys in the casket. They start talking about the weather. Why? Because we're just trying to escape reality, I think. But folks, if you just sit there, if you cry with them, you know what people need? They need somebody that cares enough to hurt with them. But you'll never, you'll never be that kind of Christian unless you let God purge you and correct you and conform you to His image. Number three, not only do you have power and you have productivity, but you have purity. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 talks about Purity. It says, but the God of all grace hath called us into his eternal glory. Amen. Praise God. We like that, don't we? Eternal glory and eternal joy. I got to go. I got to quit. It says, by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. Look at that. After you have suffered a while, make you perfect. That's mature. Establish. That's predictably faithful. Amen? I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to tell you, I, I, hate, I hate to do this, I'm going to do it anyway. What a lot of Christians need is about five weeks flat on their back. And when you get off the, your back and get off that sick bed, the first place you'll want to be 
is in the house of God. Because you can walk again. Amen? You feel good again. Don't take for granted that you're able to be here tonight. Thank God for every step. Thank God for every heartbeat. Thank God for a body that's not racked with cancer and pain and agony. Thank God. But if I'm going to tell you something. If you've been there and God has raised you up, you ought to come into this place with a jubilant enthusiasm for God and not forget what God brought you through. For the glory of God, he raised you up. Not to be unfaithful, not to be lackadaisical, not to be a casual Christian, but to be committed to God Amen. out of gratefulness. Gratefulness. Folks, we take for granted all God's blessings. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be here tonight. You couldn't sit up straight. You couldn't pay attention for 45 minutes. Couldn't be in the house of God. Sometimes suffering is for our perfection, is for our strengthening, is for our settling. He settles you. Don't a lot of us need settling down? <laughs> Save me. Praise God. We're wild Comanche Indians. Bouncing off every wall and every opportunity to think it's the will of God. We don't know where we're coming or going. God settles you. In the quietness of suffering. He settles you. Oh, folks, Job 23.10 says, and I'll close with this. We'll continue this next Sunday night. If y'all come back, if you don't come back, I'll preach it to my wife because I know she'll be here. But I want you to see this. Back in Job, I had it marked and it fell out. I'm sorry. Verse 10, it says, but none of, oh, listen now. Go ahead, go back to Job 23. It says, but he knoweth the way that I take. That's shouting grounds right there. God knows where you're at. Amen. Say amen. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as what? Gold, as purification. He's smelting the self out of you. He's knocking the pride out of you. We all need that. Say amen. Come on. Job said this suffering... Burn out the impurities. I can come forth as gold because I know God's working on me and he ain't finished yet. Oh, friend. Fourthly, praise often comes through suffering. The Bible says he uses the weak thing, things to confound the strong. The simple things to confound the wise. This word weak is sickly. Without strength. God often receives the glory through our weakness. God can even use the, receive the glory through our death. Turn to John 21, 19. John 21, 19. My next funeral, I'm going to preach this. Unless it's mine. It says... John 21, verse 19, Then spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. By what death should he glorify God. We can glorify God through our death, as well as our sickness, as well as our troubles, as well as our trials. 
And I want you to know the devil's a deceiver. He'll try to give you a complex and he'll try to get you down and out. You'll think it's all about you. And he's a liar, saying that God's not around. He did that in Job 1, 9 through 11. He's a deceiver. Yea, if God said. Folks, he's a discourager. I like Job chapter 13, verse 15. I'll close with this. My time is up, but I sit on myself. I know you can't listen much over 45 minutes. I can't. Job 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain my own ways before him. Though he slay me. I want to tell you this, this thought. Many people have an if faith. An if faith. If you do this, then I'll do that. Let me just say this. This ain't let's make a deal. What we need is a though faith. Though he slay me. Yet will I trust him. Yet will I serve him. And then in Job chapter 40 and verse 42, finally, Job shut his mouth. And I want to tell you why a lot of Christians go through trouble and trials. We shut the devil's mouth. Because the devil says, hey, wait, he's just serving God. He's just trusting God. He's just loving God for what he can get out of it. But when you have all of it taken out of you. You ain't got no place to turn. You still serve God. You're still faithful to God. You still have peace in your heart. It shuts the devil's mouth. And the accuser of the brethren is put in his place. And God gets the glory. I'll preach this this next week, but I want to tell you something. The bottom line of why Bad things happen to good people is because God has ordained godly people, godly people, to glorify Him. And so really, the greater question is not why bad things happen to God's people. The question is, what is the purpose of life? And the purpose of life whether by life or by death, that I might magnify his name. The purpose of life, whether we eat or drink, whether we have good times or bad times, let's do it for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this subject that's so wonderful. God, we know that sometimes it's because of sin and sometimes it's for conditioning. Sometimes it's for a change, a miracle, but it's always for conforming to make us more like Jesus, Romans 8, 28 and 29. We can be more like you. But Lord, the problem is we don't let it work together. We don't submit. We don't surrender. We almost rebel when things go wrong. God, help us to stay faithful. Help us, dear God, to stay 
with a heart of praise and a heart of purity and God a heart most important of all that glorifies you though you slay us God forgive us for our if faith Lord forgive us for making deals with you God forgive us for bargaining with you God please help us praise you and be faithful to you no matter what with every head bowed every eye closed give a quick invitation I believe God's spoken I know he's spoken to my heart because there's some things I just don't understand how about you but God did not call us to live on explanations God called us to have a revelation of who God is I thank God that sometimes the lowest I've been, the more precious he's been to me. How about you? Let me say, preacher, learn something tonight. And by the grace of God, I'm going to apply it. And I want to I serve God faithfully until the end. Let me give you Brother Gary Lefford's last words to me. He said, Brother Wayne, I love you. And I said, Brother Gary, I love you. And then he said, I intend to be faithful to the end and thank God he was and so was Miss Carol and so was the Apostle Paul and so was Joseph they were faithful to the end I hope that can be said about you let me say the Lord spoke to my heart and I want to be more faithful no matter what I go through and I have some loved ones that are going through some trials and tribulation and I believe, I believe it's not drawing them to the Lord but drawing them away from the Lord. And I want you to help me to be the testimony and the voice crying in that darkness. And the love and the comfort that you receive, you share with them. You have a burden for somebody else that's going through a valley. You want your testimony to be rich and real. You lift your hand on their behalf all over this place. Amen. 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 Someone you're the best Christian you know, and you're not much of a Christian if when things go bad you turn on him and give up. Father, thank you for the invitation now, and thank you, dear God, for your word. I've learned some things. I've been challenged by some things. and I've been challenged, most important of all, by your word. And I thank you, God, for Paul's testimony. I thank you for Joseph's testimony. And I thank you for Stephen's testimony. And I thank you, God, for your testimony. That you never quit. And you never quit praising him. And he was faithful to the end. May we be that for your glory. Let's stand.